Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience. To win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat-trick. Put that hat on, I think. I'm not overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this, yeah, onwards here for, for the Southern Stars. Hello and welcome to Baggy Green Queens, a series by The Scoop Podcast, celebrating the stories and people behind some of the most iconic moments in women's Ashes history. This episode is brought to you by Combank, proud partners of women's cricket for 22 years. From our national team to community clubs, Combank are proud supporters of female game changers. I'm Laura Jolly. And I'm Emily Collin. Ahead of the 2022 Women's Ashes series, we're taking a dip into the archives to explore the rich history of the rivalry between Australia and England and revisit some of the most magical moments in the 90-year history of the Women's Ashes. The highest women's test score on debut ever. It's a pretty good record to have next to your name and the person who still holds that mantle after more than 20 years is our latest guest on Baggy Green Queens. That's right. Today's baggy green queen is Michelle Gosko, who is an absolute legend in so many ways. And now, first of all, we're sure a few of our listeners are probably aware that Gozzi, as she's affectionately known around the traps, unfortunately suffered a stroke in November. This episode was recorded back in August, but we've been chatting to Gozzi and she's out of hospital and on the mend, which we were really pleased to hear. Gozzi, who played 39 matches in the green and gold and has since worked in coaching and commentary, is one of the most beloved figures in the game and some of her cricket family actually set up a GoFundMe for Gozzi to assist with her recovery. So be sure to look out for the link which we'll provide alongside this episode on cricket.com.au and the Oz Women Cricket social channels. It's also called Gozzi Needs Her Cricket Family. If you want to chuck it in Google, it'll come up pretty quickly. I think they've raised more than 25 grand so far, so it's been just incredible to see the way the cricket community has got around Gozzi. Yeah, absolutely. So if, you, if you're able to, please support Gozzi. She's an absolute legend. But let's go back to 2001. The Aussie women, who had kept the Ashes in their possession since Rayleigh Thompson's team won them back in 1985, travelled to England for two tests. Belinda Clark was captain of a team that included the likes of Lisa Kitely, Karen Rolton, Julia Price and Catherine Fitzpatrick. And Gozzi was absolutely stoked to be in such elite company. So the first test in Shenley was not only Gozzi's test debut, 
but it also signalled her return to the national team after being dropped from the ODI squad in 1998. And let's just say she certainly repaid the faith of the selectors as her blazing double ton paved the way for Australia to retain the Ashes. And it was definitely a successful series for Australia's batters. When Gozzi walked off for her 204, she'd equaled the record for the highest ever women's test score. But that record actually didn't belong to her for very long. The very next test match, she had to pass that mantle over to Aussie powerhouse Karen Rolton, who scored 209 not out in Leeds, as Australia secured a 2-0 series win to retain the Ashes. We had an absolute blast chatting to Gozzi, and we really hope you enjoyed this chat with one of the greats of Aussie cricket. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, if you can, head to Gozzi's GoFundMe to support her on her road to recovery. And we are absolutely stoked to welcome a legend of Aussie cricket to the scoop today for the latest edition of Baggy Green Queens, Michelle Gosko. Gozzi, thank you for joining us on the scoop. Are you ready to take a trip down memory lane? Oh, I certainly am. Uh, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I mean, it's making me feel old. And you know, I just said before about COVID, it's uh, given me greys, but uh, that's probably the 20 years as well <laughs> since that debut. So... Yeah, uh, look, excited to be talking to you both today. Amazing. So we'll go right back to the start. Uh, You grew up in New South Wales. Can you talk us through your childhood and how cricket first came into your life? Yeah, I actually played tennis first. Um, I grew up in the Hawkesbury out at North Richmond and played a bit of tennis. And my tennis coach uh, suggested after about six weeks, I should go and play cricket because I tried to smash the ball out of the whole court instead of in the in the court, actually, um, or in the line. So she said, go and play some cricket. And I started when I was nine and uh, for North Richmond Cricket Club. And I was the only girl. They had to have a special meeting because they'd never had a girl play before. Um, so I had to get passed by the committee um, that I was allowed to play. Goodness. Um, <laughs> which was amazing. Oh. So, um, yeah, thankfully that got passed and I, I played um, all, all with boys cricket till under 16s. And uh, back then you weren't supposed to play down an age group. You just played whatever age it was. So playing under 16s, I was the captain uh, for North Richmond and playing against some future first grade men um, that were playing in that competition. It was pretty difficult with no helmets, so it made you watch the ball, though. But I was really lucky. Um, You know, I got to play with my brother as well when I was in under-10s and uh, just continued on from there. I just loved the sport, watching it on TV. There were no female role models to watch back then on TV, so that was a real shame. But um, I love David Boone, Merv Hughes. um, Must be something with a moustache or a, a fat belly or something. I don't know. But that... That got me into cricket and, um, you know, I just I just love the sport. I love playing in a team. Um, I tried a lot of individual sports, but, you yeah, know, cricket and soccer sort of stuck out for me. Yeah, nice. And so after your North Richmond days, you're a, you're a Bankstown girl, aren't you? Yeah, well, I started at Penrith actually um, okay. when I was 13. I played with women, um, played fifth grade at Penrith, um, which was amazing, and we got flogged every week, but... I loved playing in that team just for Penrith and I spent two years there and then went to Bankstown um, and formed the first ever uh, first grade side there and we got flogged again in the first two years. But, uh, geez, it was such an amazing experience to play against, um, you know, Australian stars um, when I was 17 and 18. Um, so spent eight years at Bankstown and then, yeah, went off to play at Sydney for 10 years. Nice. And what are your memories of club cricket and do you look fondly back on those days? Oh, the best. 
the absolute best. I, I, we had such a good uh, atmosphere at Bankstown. Um, you know, we'd hang out outside of cricket. That's probably the big key for me. If, you, if you're hanging out outside of the cricket shed when you're spending, what, 10 hours a day with them uh, and at training, there's, there's uh, good morale going on. So I, I loved being able to, uh, you know, spend time, talk rubbish on the on the um, on the sideline, I guess. Um, and even when Alyssa Healy was coming through, I got to talk rubbish with her on the field. Um, she was even a little scallywag back when she was fourteen or fifteen. So nothing's changed, Mitch. She's, she's uh, probably even got better at it now <laughs> so, since she's got older. But club cricket is the backbone of cricket, isn't it? And and you know, without that, we have nothing. So. Um, I always made sure that I, I turned up. I think I missed one game ever um, wow. for cricket. I was away at, uh, I think, schoolies or something, and that was it. I, I, I did every other game of cricket because I, I just put so much emphasis on club cricket. And what was your pathway into the national team? Did you always know about a women's national team and did you always want to play for them? Yeah, I was lucky. But, um, when I, I think I was about 12, my dad took me to go and watch Australia and India women um, at North Sydney Oval. So that was in 1991, I think it was. Um, and it was funny going there. I was talking to my dad about it the other day and uh, watching India get 100 runs in 100 overs. It actually sort of said to me, I don't want to play like yeah. that. I don't want to play aggressive <laughs> cricket. And the, the Australian team did do that. But um, I, that was the only female game that I, I, international game that I got to watch when I was a kid. And that sort of lit the fire that, geez, there actually is something out there um, that I could aspire to. And I was lucky enough to sort of get picked for New South Wales when I was 17 uh, for the breakers. And um, it sort of happened really quickly. Um, I was lucky enough to get a couple of runs in that first season. And um, in the trials before the World Cup in 97, I, I got a couple of runs. And then next minute I was in the team. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, I, I didn't think I so much deserved it to be there, but um, they obviously saw something in me and I was lucky enough to be given an opportunity. Yeah, nice. And so we're obviously here to talk about a very special Ashes moment, but we firstly just wanted to touch on your first experiences in the Aussie team. So you made your debut for Australia in 1997 before heading over to India for the World Cup. That must have been a bit of a whirlwind time. What do you remember of, of oh, that trip? That was that was nuts. Um, <laughs> he, here's me, the, the baby of the team, getting to play with legends yeah. of Australian cricket. I mean, bad income. You could write that down and they'd be in any era, they'd be the best players. And yeah. here's me, the baby, going, what is going on? I, I don't I don't get this. Um, why am I here? And <laughs> Um, I just felt so out of place, but I, I was lucky that, um, you know, Joe Broadbent was in there at the time, Belinda Clark, oh, what a captain. She was my best captain I ever played under, um, you know, Catherine Fitzpatrick and, uh, you know, it, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it that I was there, let alone getting a game, yeah. um, and going to India and the stuff that we dealt with, with over there, like playing, <laughs> playing on grounds. So we played in an army ground. Um, it was on an army base, like staying in hotels that we got moved because it was cockroaches and rats and like all this stuff that we put up with. Um, we had a bomb scare on the, on the plane. Um, We sat there and it was halfway. Yeah. And it was halfway through the tour and we ended up just going, you know what? It is what it is. I think that was our motto. And we ended up playing charades on the plane because there was nothing we could do about it. We just sat there going, we don't know what's going on. Um, and you know, just, just being in that, uh, environment around such good quality players, I, I learned so much, um, just from being there and yeah it was a surreal moment and then 
going out into that World Cup final, you know, there's what sixty to eighty thousand people there, um, and uh, I got I was lucky enough to get picked in that game and. We lost a wicket and then I came out, I think I came out at number three and Belinda Clark was out there and uh, I just looked around at the crowd and just got overawed and gone, oh, my God, I'm used to 10 people at cricket. And, um, you know, there's there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people. And uh, I I hit my first ball back to the bowler and she dropped it and it went for four and it was the end of the over and I I went into the middle I went and Belinda Clark was out there and I, I said, oh, phew, you know, I got away with that one. I won't repeat what Belinda told me, but it pulled my head back in um, and made me actually concentrate because, um, you know, I was just overawed a bit. I went, right, I've got a job to do out here. So, yeah, uh, unbelievable time. Oh, wow. Must be pretty special to look back on some of those photos. You see, like, the the lap of honour and stuff. It just looked amazing. Oh, my God. And there's me dancing. (laughs) That should never be seen anywhere just quietly, um, except in a nightclub uh, under Uh. under the darkness of light. But, um, yeah, look, amazing. And and they're all women. And that was the thing that stood out for me. There were just women in the crowd. Um, So you got this colour and environment. It was just so electric. Uh, And then you look around on the, on just on the side of the ground and there's men with machine guns. (laughs) It was just a surreal sort of moment going on. And, um, you know, we were lucky that we we had such a good team and, and we were so dominant in that competition. And there's been a couple of books written about it, but we just changed the way cricket was played. I think John Harmer, the coach, legend coach of Australian cricket, uh, he came out and just said, we want to make sure that we play, you know, aggressive cricket. It's fair cricket, but um, we want to change the way cricket's played. And, and that's what we did. Yeah, awesome. Amazing. And how about the uniforms you wore back then? <laughs> the purple too, oh, the training kit? I well, I don't know who decided uh, what we would wear, but uh, we were lucky that we got to wear pants, actually, because um, we wore clots. And I think someone in their wisdom decided it would be a great idea to put us in clots um, <laughs> where you get the worst tan lines in, in history. Um, you're diving uh, with no bike pants on, mind you. So you're diving and then, you know, they flare up at the back and you're getting these massive grazes. So I think because of um, safety, they decided we could play in pants. So that made a difference. And then all of a sudden I'm going, oh, that's probably more practical than playing in, you know, collots. Um, so thankfully that stuck around. But I, I have got a pair of the Australian clots which were multicoloured things. I don't know who decided to make that up, but, um, you know, we, we were lucky that we played, um, you know, I, I guess colour was the, the view of the day, but, uh, yeah, style probably wasn't. <laughs> Wait, did you say you still got them? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, and, amazing. Um, yeah, my dad's got them at home, so. Um, Hold yeah, on to I mean, Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't fit into them now. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit fitter back then, but, um, yeah, it may. I mean, purple and yellow and, and green and, you know, just multicoloured. No, like someone had thrown up on the collots or something. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. And moving on to the 2001 Ashes series, Gozzi, but before we get stuck in, what did the Ashes you, used to mean to you and did you always love test cricket and is that always something you wanted to do? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, that's what I got to watch on TV. I remember in 
for, the, for watching the men. I think it was 1989 and Michael Slater was over in England and I stayed up, you know, past my bedtime. You know, I was on at 8 o'clock till 10 or something. Um, I snuck out to watch it and just watching them play in England and in their whites and, you know, just the baggy green on and and the vest. The vest stuck out for me because I could see, the you know, the V going on. And um, for me that was the epitome of cricket. Yeah, getting to play a test match, like, who would have thought? Um, and, you know, in 90, in 98, actually, I went to England as well on the Ashes Tour and we were there for two months and I played one game um, out of the five one days and I think we played three tests because um, I, I got a little bit unfit after 97. I celebrated a bit too hard. Um, but, you know, I didn't get to play much and, um, you know, that sort of lit the fire of making sure I trained a bit harder. Um to go back in 2001 and, and try and get that, that baggy green. That's all I wanted um, was to play and, and play with legends of the sport. That, that stuck out for me the most. Yeah, so how did you get yourself back into that squad after a bit of time out? Whether, did you have some good domestic form or how did you make that claim on a test spot? Yeah, I think um, I came back and my mum said, what are you doing? You're wasting your opportunity. Um, stop partying too much um, and, and get a bit fitter. So um, that's sort of where it, where it was. And once you have a taste of something, you sort of, you know, it was just there. The the dream was there. I just couldn't reach it. It was, it was really tough. Um, it mentally... Um, you know, I struggled with it on probably on in 1998. Um, I was lucky sort of Lisa Kitely sort of helped me a lot um, with that. She'd been through a similar sort of thing. So she really helped me and um, I just came back and just had a little bit more, I guess, resolve about things and I just I needed to go back. I needed to get runs domestically and just force my way back in and, and I was lucky enough that I did it at the right time um, for that 2001 tour. And how did you approach your cricket, Gozzi? Were you like a really dedicated trainer? Did you always oh. set your mind to things or were you kind of a bit more uh, well, take it as it comes? My, well, yeah, if you ask my teammates, they're probably dedicated trainer probably wasn't the first thing that they would say. Um I, I did train. Like, it was tough for us, though. Like, I, you know, in, when I was making my debut, um, I was at uni. I was trying to pack shelves at Coles at 5 o'clock in the morning, living in North Richmond, um, and then try and train. So we didn't have the facilities back then that they've got now. I would have been a much better athlete if I could have trained and actually dedicated that time. Like, I, you know, and then trying to fit in a social life, yeah. like it was really tough, and well, so I required. really sh- struggled. Yeah, it's it was it was hard, and you know, when you're trying to pack shelves at five o'clock in the morning, but before going to uni or, or or TAFE or wherever it was, and then tra- I used to catch a train from um, Richmond into the SCG and then walk from the SCG. It'd take me a two-hour trip, so trying to do that. Um, and also fit in, you know, your fitness and everything else. It was it was tough, but I, I should have been a bit more dedicated than what I was. Probably towards the back end of my career, I was a lot more. Um, you know, I had a little bit more of I need to I need to put some more effort in. It came really not I wouldn't say easily to me, but I you know naturally I, I probably had a bit of skill, but I, I needed to dedicate myself a bit more earlier, and then my career could have been much better. But you know, there's no regrets. Um, you know, I coach now and I don't coach like that. Uh, I put in a lot of effort with the coaching. So there's lessons learned, right? <laughs> so it's 2001, you're named in the squad for two tests and three ODIs over in England. What do you, do you remember being really motivated to make an impact and, and knowing that a t- 
test debut was so close potentially? Yeah, I um I, I couldn't believe that I got picked. Um, you know, to get a baggy green, that's that's all I want. I just wanted a baggy green. And <laughs> you know, to that and I got it and I was so excited. Um and you know, we play four day test matches. I'd never trained for four days in a row. I'd, I'd never batted, you know, I ended up batting six and a half hours. I'd never, I'd, I'd hardly batted longer than an hour in the nets maybe. So, you know, this was all foreign to me. But I, before I made my debut, I was actually rooming with Charmaine Mason, um, the, you know, legendary Victorian uh, quick, um, who's probably in my eyes one of the, the hardest players to face. And she was rooming with me and um, the night before she'd said, uh, you know, if you if you get 100 on debut, I'll give you 20 quid. And, like that's, <laughs> you know, and I said, I'm oh not all betting on sport, mind you, but, you know, 20, 20, 20 quid was a day's wage over there. That's what we got. We got 20 quid. And I was like, a steak was 25. So if I got a, if I got a century, I could buy a steak. So, Hell yeah. you know, I, I was like, oh, wow, okay, no worries. And, um, you know, we, we had a formidable line, a bowling lineup, and we, we bowled England out before the end of the first day. And um, I, I was lucky that you know, I was batting, I think I batted at three in that game, and or four actually. Um, and I was 20-odd not out, I think, overnight. And um, I... I nearly ran myself on the last uh, out on the last ball of the day. Um, Lisa Kitely sent me back and said, "What are you doing, you idiot?" I said, "I just wanted to get one more run, you know." Before the end of the day. Anyway, um, and then overnight, yeah, I was just—I don't know—it just came naturally. It was one one moment, that one performance, that it all came together, and I was lucky enough that it came on the biggest stage, like for me, you know, in that Test match and. Um, you know, in on that moment, um, I think I, I, I got to 100, thank God. Um, and then Charmaine actually said to me, you know, if you get 200, I'll give you 50 quid. I'm oh, like, my God. Whoa. Steaks everywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two steaks. And I could probably get a side with that and maybe a beer. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Um, and we got to, I think we were nine down and I was on 191. And you know who comes out to bat? Charmaine Mason. Oh. And she's batting at number eleven. And I'm like, oh, here we go. There goes my two hundred. You know, this is <laughs> this is gone. And she's just come out like a bullet a gate and just came out and said, right, you keep your head down. I'm going to get you there. And I went, oh, righto, righto, okay, senior <laughs> senior player. Um, and and she did, and and she got me there. So. Um, it was just an unbelievable time. Uh, you know, the crowd, I think we had about 100 people watching yeah. and that was about it. But it did, I didn't care. Um, I, I just wanted to play, I wanted to play one test and I wanted to play in a winning team. And that's what I, you know, I, I didn't understand what I did. I didn't even know it was a, a record. I had no idea. I just wanted to get runs and try and win a test match. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I'd seen when I was 11. So, so for going. me, I, I just wanted to win a test match and, and to get to play with these people, it was just unbelievable. So you were batting alongside Lisa Kitely for quite a long time. Was that on, was that, that would have been on day one? Yeah, it was um, before the end of day one. So she was such a stoic sort of player, wasn't she? Oh, she, she was amazing. Yeah. Um, was she keeping you going? resolve. Oh, you know, she's, she was as big as a pencil. Like that's, you know, she was so skinny, but gee, she could hit the ball hard and, and her mental resolve was just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, she, she stayed out there. She was a calming influence. I was so lucky. Like if I, 
I went out there. I had Belinda Clark. You know, there's Karen Rolton, Lisa Kitely, um, you know, unbelievable people that I got to play cricket with in that in that game, um, and and just made me sort of made me concentrate and made me really calm because we, we were friends off the field. So that sort of helps a little bit as well, and they sort of guide you through it because they've been there before. So yeah, for me, um, you know, you can't do it without your teammates, right? So. Uh, if they didn't have that resolve to stay out there, then, you know, I wouldn't have even got a hundred. So yeah, I'm very thankful for the players that I played with. Yeah. And you talk about that calming influence and looking at the scorecard, Australia were two for 21 when you went out to the middle, like that's a pretty yeah. tough situation to be heading <laughs> yeah. out to bat in. No, no pressure. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it, it was amazing. It was sort of towards the end of the day and we had such an up day, um, you know, with getting England out for really cheaply. And, uh, I, you know, I went out there and I, I still got, I think I got 21 or 24 off, you know, 40 balls or something. I still, I was playing it like a one day match. <laughs> um, probably wasn't what was required, but that, that was how I sort of played. I, I didn't want to go back into my shell and get one run off 50 balls one that was like the test match that I'd seen um and two that that wasn't that wasn't natural for me I, I needed to still play my shots but that that game I it, every ball just came off the middle um you know and I, I showed I showed myself that I could actually concentrate for that long <laughs> you know I'd struggled to concentrate for more than an hour let alone um you know six hours yeah so you ended up batting for six and a half hours were you at the end of it were you exhausted? I wish it was 24 sixes I think it was 26 24 fours I'll take that so were you absolutely exhausted and yeah as you said you'd never batted for like nearly that long before yeah, I was pretty tired. Um, I think mentally more than anything, um, you know, I, I, as I said, I, after 98, I wasn't in the, the best shape of my life. Um, and then 2001, I got a little bit fitter. And um, I guess your adrenaline kicks in as well. Um, and, and for me, it wasn't the, the physical side. It was more the, the mental side of it, making sure that um, you know, I concentrated one ball at a time, but that, that's all cricket is. It's one ball at a time. If you start thinking ahead, oh, I need to get not out or I need to think about, you know, lunch or, you know, sometimes I would drift off and go, I wonder what's for morning, uh, afternoon tea or something. But, you know, you have to, you have to pull it back and, and just focus on that one ball at a time, one over at a time and, and you know, that one partnership at a time. That That's the most important thing and um, that's probably the biggest thing I got out of that was that I could actually do it. Um, and I could concentrate for that long and, you know, you have a job to do. You're representing your country. It's a privilege um, and it deserves everything to be put into the effort. And as you mentioned, it was a record. It broke Mel Jones's previous record for highest test score and debut of 131. You broke that by a pretty big margin. What was the reaction like from all your teammates? Yeah, I was uh, I was there watching Mel Jones do that. Um, that was an exciting um time um for her and and for the Australian team you know it was a flawless innings uh and then I actually saw Joe Broadbent get a 200 as well um on that 98 tour so watching them do that and you know the legends of Australian sport um let alone cricket um you know that that sort of fired me up a little bit and um yeah I I I don't, I don't, I still don't know how I did it sometimes. <laughs> like how, how did I get to that 200? Um, it's sort of, you know, it's time stands still sometimes and things just come together. And for me, just on that day, it did, um, you know, and, and my teammates were amazing. Um, everyone around that, 
time, and I think it's sort of been through the whole time of Australian cricket, everyone celebrates each other's success. Um, it's about trying to get the goal of, of winning for that side. And that's what the Australian side is. Um, yeah, you've seen how successful they've been the last, what, five years now. And uh, it's going to continue on. They've just got such a good um, work ethic and, and it's there. The team first and then you come second. So, I'll, yeah, we celebrated um, and I was you know, lucky I got to celebrate with Legends of the Sport. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you won by an innings and 140 runs, which is a pretty significant win. Tell us about the celebrations. Like, were, was it fun in the dressing room back in those days? Did everyone get pretty up and about with a big win like that? Yeah, well, we, we didn't have um, – I think we had we bought a jukebox or something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everyone had to put in $10 or something or $5, and then we bought, bought a jukebox, made sure we had some good CDs available. Um, <laughs> It's probably Backstreet Boys or something um, (laughs) or Spice Girls or something like that. Um, But we had to make sure, you know, we we did celebrate um, quite well. We were lucky, like, we played with no social media around or, you know, cameras and stuff. It was pretty (laughs) tame. Um, But, you know, we we saw, I remember vividly after the the test match, we actually uh, had to go and do some recovery. I went to the pool or something. I just remember having a beer in the pool going, how good's life? Like, I don't want to go back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I want to stay here. I want to play cricket. I want to be in this environment. Um, You know, but we still still had jobs to do. Um, So, yeah, look, it, it was amazing to be able to celebrate um, with those girls. Amazing. And then you guys played three ODIs before you headed to Headingley for the second test. You had made a record, but it didn't stand for very long. Oh, well, I've got a record for the shortest record in cricket, I think. Um, I just, yeah, you know, who else could it be but Karen Rowland? Um, you know, a legend of the sport. And I, and when I got the 204, I didn't even know that that was two records, let alone you know, one, um, I had no idea. And I'm like, I don't know what the top score is. You don't look at those things before a test and go, oh, I want to get the highest score on debut. I just I just wanted to get one run, let alone 200. Um, and then, yeah, of course, Karen Rowland comes out a uh, week later and breaks it. So, <laughs> you know, she she deserves it more than me. Like she, she contributed so much to Australian cricket and, um, you know, rightly uh, took, took the spot at the top. So... Um, yeah, I'm lucky it's still a, a record now on debut, I think. Um, I don't think anyone's broken it. But that, that could change once they start playing more test matches. Yeah, you never know. And so obviously you finished up, you held on to the Ashes. It was a very successful series for Australia. Yourself and Karen Rolton, as you mentioned, double centuries. Catherine Fitzpatrick finished with 17 wickets from two test matches. Just quickly, what was it like playing alongside Fitzy in a test match like that? <laughs> She's a weapon. <laughs> I, I loved I love playing in the same team as her. She, like, I used to field in gully. So if the oh, ball was yeah. coming off the bat, it was flying. <laughs> and I, I used to lick my lips and clap my hands and get all excited going, oh, my God, this is going to come at me like a bullet. Um, and it was just exciting. She was quick. Like, she was quicker probably than anyone playing now. I'd, I'd say some of the girls are, are pushing up to that now. But for raw pace, for someone who's, not, I wouldn't say tall, Fitzy. Um, I would say you know, short in stature, really, and and pretty fit, but not bulky. She she uh, amazing how she could bowl so quick. Um, and she was an absolute weapon over there. Uh, I think she scared uh, a lot of the players that she bowled against. 
not just with their bowling, but just with the demeanor and stuff. But that, that's a good thing. You want that in a fast bowler, don't you? And and that's why I love playing in the team with her because she just brought so much energy and and aggression and passion to the to the game. So. Yeah, I was really blessed to be able to play with probably one of the best players Australia's ever seen. And following that series, obviously you celebrate a bit. Were you, how was the relationship with the English team? Would you all get together in the dressing rooms after a series and have a beer together or anything? Yeah, um, I, we, I did anyway. Um, I don't know about everyone else. Um, but I, I made some good friends um, from the, the English side. And, you know, it, it's important that we do that. We're all playing the same sport. Yes, they're from England um, and on the field, you know, that – and we're not friends on the field, but I'd like to think that we still could be friends off the field. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to, I think we had an agenda of trying to push women's sport as well. So that sort of brought us together. Um, back then, we were still trying to fight fight the fight and we needed to sort of join together to do that. And, you know, I had a lot of respect for the English players. They, they had some quality players in that side. Um, and, you know, I, as I said, I, I had a lot of respect for them and I'm still friends with a couple of them actually now. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, nice. And Gozzi, you're obviously still involved with the game as a commentator. So looking looking back to what you enjoyed, cockroach-infested hotels, how do you think yeah. the game has evolved since, like, looking at what the girls are doing now? Well, the biggest change, I think, my my first Australian squad training that I got invited to, I, I found the letter, actually, um, signed by Christina Matthews, a, a legend of, of the sport, um, and I got invited down to Adelaide, um, and it said, please make sure you pay your levy of $100 before you go. Um, and, I mean, that, that's the change, isn't it? It's it's the professionalism of uh, – I had a strain youth tour. I found a letter. It was $4,000 we had to pay. Wow. My poor parents, um, you know, I didn't have any money back then. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the outlay that they had to make, um, the sacrifice, uh, is unbelievable, uh, to, to try and even just get you to on the, on the park. Um, so the change then, I think they're much fitter, they're stronger, um, probably more skillful, some of the players. Um, but you know, just being able to get paid to play, uh, that that's made them more professional. Um, you know, we were professional. We just didn't get paid for it. Um, you know, that's what some of the young kids that I coach just say, I want to be a professional cricketer. I'll say, well, we were all professional. We just didn't get paid. So, you know, you want to, you want to do it as, as your job. And, and we didn't care. I, I mean, I would have pl- paid to play for Australia. I wouldn't have cared, um, you know, just to put the baggy green on is, is, is enough. So, but you have to, marvel at the skill that the girls have got now. I mean, um, unbelievable. You, you see Laura commence playing a reverse sweep for six. Yeah. I, you know, that, unheard of. What is going on? Yeah. You know, just the athleticism and, and all this stuff going on. Like, uh, um, unbelievable how far they can hit the ball. And I, I, I love watching it. I, I'm lucky I, I get to commentate and I get to watch cricket and I'm paid to watch cricket. Like, how what good. a turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And another huge Ashes series coming up for the girls. Any predictions on how you reckon they're going to go? Oh, geez, I'll sound like the Americans at the Olympics. Um, <laughs> you get shot shot in the foot here. Um, no, I think England will come over. They've got some quality players, like, uh, and, and they're still quite young. Um, I think... I think the test match will be probably in our favour, being at the WACA. Uh, oh, sorry, being in... It's in Canberra, isn't it? So um, that that's a, a flat track sort of there. So that'll probably maybe be a draw. I, but I, I think Australia will take it away in the one-day 
series. Um, T20, that always brings teams together uh, or closer together. Um, but I think Australia is too strong. It, it depends. Like England's playing at the moment with the COVID lockdown. Australia's probably behind the eight ball a little bit. They haven't been able to train together. So it'd be interesting to see that, how they come out of that um, against India um, first up. But, um, you know, on a, Australian soil, I think uh, Australia might be just a bit too strong. Gozzi, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and reflect on one of the greatest moments that we've ever seen in the history of the women's ashes. Thank you for joining us and hope you have a great summer sitting back and watching the cricket. Absolutely. And uh, I won't be just watching uh, big beards and big bellies. I'll be watching uh, Australian <laughs> women's cricket team. Love it. Thanks, Gozzi. Cheers. Thank you. It's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience to win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat trick. Put that hat on. I think I'm not overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is, is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this. Yeah, onwards here for, for these.